Hey everyone, Russ Van Natta with Creative Works here. So excited that you guys are joining us for another episode of the Memory Makers podcast. In today's episode, our own Armando Lanuti is doing a fantastic interview with the one, the only Trent Coggins of Recoil Trampoline Park. And the two of them talk about how do you maintain this fiery passion and servant mindset when you're going into the trenches every day of FEC ownership and operations. So we really expect you guys to gain so much out of this. And the big thank you to Trent again for your time on this interview. We really enjoy doing it with you and we hope that you all enjoy. Roll it, Mikey Mike. Hey, and we're right. live. So my wife wakes me up on a Saturday morning and says, get up, we're going to a trampoline park. And I said, um, what the hell's a trampoline park? Uh, never had even heard uh, that it exists. Um, and so we, we had to drive a considerable way. I'm from Valdosta, Georgia a very small market in uh, South Georgia. We're practically North Florida, but we had to drive a considerable amount of time just to get to a trampoline park. Uh, I'm not one of those helicopter parents, so as soon as I kind of saw what it was all about, a business professor mind started going. And I said, you know what, my town needs one of these. Probably a very similar conversation that many of you have had with yourselves. So I immediately go back and the next week I start making phone calls because I know nothing about the trampoline park industry. Obviously you have to do this with a franchise. Let's call some franchises. Called three franchises that next week and the conversation was extremely disappointing but it was exactly the same. Valdosta's too small, it won't work, you'll never make any money. Um, I guess I'm just stubborn enough to not trust them. And, uh, I, you know, Valdosta didn't fit the box. We're a small town, 50,000 people in the town, 100,000 people in uh, the county, and 150 in our MSA. I, I think we heard 1.2 million households in, in Indianapolis earlier. We're extremely small. So I understand where the uh, franchises were coming, but I've got a little bit of construction background as well, uh, in addition to practicing law. I can build one of these for myself. Uh, but the first thing I wanted, I wanted to determine, is this working in other places? So I started doing some research and found other locations that were similar to me, uh, communities my size. And so I decided to go ahead and, and get started. And that's how, that's how it all began. Accidental entrepreneur. I did not intend to retire from practicing law at the time. I'm glad I did. Uh, we can talk about that later, but uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Like, so so did you start as just a trampoline park? Then started only as trampolines. Uh, we we tomorrow is our fourth birthday. Um, Happy birthday! Thank you. We we don't have anniversaries. We have birthdays. So we st we started September the twentieth of twenty nineteen, and immediately were extremely popular. Um, in, uh, in our area. Uh, everybody kind of thought I was a little crazy. Um, and I, I guess they thought the locals thought I was a little bit like the uh, franchises, that it, it wouldn't work, but we, we showed them immediately that it would work. And so we started thinking about uh, what, what could we do to increase this. You know, I, I started out in 25,000 square feet. I have 42,000 square feet available to me. Okay. So we started looking uh, well, what could we do? And we noticed immediately early on that with trampolines, we were killing it 
and ages about four to up to about 12. And I even saw that in my own family. Right. Uh, you know, it's pretty and, and neat. And how old were your boys at the time? Uh, let's see, the oldest would have been 16. He was working with us. Uh, we would have had one that was about 12, 13, and then the other two's eight and nine. Okay. So uh, doorsteps. Um, so we would see that in our own family. We were extremely popular with the little ones. And maybe the one in the middle was, eh, you know, he would go, but it trampolines just wasn't his thing, especially when he started getting up 13, 14. We started to see that we would lose his attention. We were seeing that with our, our clients as well. So we wanted to try to increase our, um, our age, right? And so ironically, at the same time, uh, February of 2020, I came to Amusement 360, and uh, we, we were just, excited to have you when, <laughs> when you came, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, in this room right here, I decided that the next thing for us would be laser tag. And uh, immediately was excited about going ahead and starting to build because we, I could tell that a lot of, I mean, I'm in a small town and I'm the only game in town. I could tell that there were a lot of eyeballs on us watching to see just how successful we were. And I wanted, it's what I call building a moat around my business. I wanted to develop other attractions to make it more difficult for other businesses to enter and compete with me in my market because I am a small market and it would have a devastating impact if someone came in. Uh, so protecting my business was very important. Increasing my age group uh, was very important. And so we made the decision February 2020 to uh, uh, to go ahead and start with laser tag, had what, no what idea. A fortuitous time. Had to no idea to that, the, your business. that the world was going to end three weeks later. Um, literally, uh, COVID. I think our shutdown date for COVID was March the fourteenth. Uh, we were closed. I'm in Georgia. Sorry for all you people in Michigan and Pennsylvania and New York. I'm sorry. But we were in Georgia. We opened back up. We were allowed to open back up within eight weeks. Uh, okay. We made the decision not to open back up until 12 weeks. And, um, you know, saw slow but steady build back towards uh, the numbers that we had seen prior to opening up. So October of 2020 is when we decided to go ahead and start dusting off the shelf and bringing back those the expansion uh, the, plans. The, the, the laser yeah. tag plans. So, yeah. Well, and so you're in this small market, yep. right? And one of those things that, that I did a little bit of, of extra digging here recently on is you've got a, you know, with that small market, you've got a 4.8 on Facebook from a rating standpoint. You've got a 4.6 on Google. That's right. And ironically, you talked about how you got into this business and why it's important for you to build a moat. The very most recent Google review said, I had the most amazing time at this venue. I want to get into this industry. Literally the review that is most recent on your Google right now we, from that standpoint. We, we've got a lot of people that think about, you know, the towns that surround us are a whole lot smaller than Valdosta. Valdosta is a small town. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so there is a lot of, well, would this work in my little bitty town of 20,000 people? Uh, I mean, that's all they have. You know, so there's a lot of eyeballs on us, um, you know, people that could want to compete eventually. But yeah, I see that all the time. And, and so how do you, in that, in that small market, reputation's got to be everything. So 
how do you go about ensuring that you have such a great experience? Like they were just talking about on that that panel, right? Let's see if we can get uh, two more shots going. Like, how are you intentionally creating an immersive experience that they're wanting to go ahead and actually, you know, have so much fun that you're getting those kind of ratings? Like, how do you do that with your staff? It's all it's all about creating smiles, um, and that's what we. Uh, so I, I preach to the staff: your job is to create smiles. If you're so that is taking care of the child. If you are a birthday party host, you're taking care of mom. So I think we do a really good job of that. One of the things that I encourage my employees to do is actually play with our guests, especially on days that we're not extremely busy, Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays. Get out there and play with them. Teach them how to do a. We employ a lot of cheerleaders, you know, high schools. Teach them how to do a backflip. You know, you're going to get more out of that. And just by giving them the freedom to get out there and play with our employees, I think we get a lot of positive feedback about that. And so tell me a little bit about, you know, I know first impressions are always really big. And as you continue to build that moat, you ended up uh, telling Danny a little bit of a story when we were talking to you here before the event about how you placed Hyperdeck as you as you yeah. added that in your uh, venue right at the beginning. And how have you built that into the experience and, and why was that important for you to place there? So we um, we put laser tag in and, and, and got a, a lot of publicity off of that. But we still, ironically, were finding people a little bit later on down the road didn't realize that we had these additional attractions. Um, and so when we decided to go with, in phase three with Hyperdeck, uh, we literally put that thing right at the front door. And if you've seen Hyperdeck uh, or been near it, you know it, right? Because it, it blows a lot of wind. There's a lot of heat. There is a lot of screaming that comes from the people playing the zombie game. Uh, what I saw anecdotally was that it required people, rather than staring up at our menu board to figure out how much money they were going to spend, it required them to turn around. It's what I call the tug on the the jacket uh, mentality. Little Johnny's tugging on that jacket, pointing, and mom and dad's mouth uh, falls. Um, That that has been a wonderful thing for us. It it almost sells itself being that close. Uh, I tell my employees all the time, if we have a long line, and there's no one playing Hyperdeck, pull two or three kids aside, put them on there, turn it on, and our sales go up at the front door. It's just, and it didn't um, cost you anything no, to it do it, it, right? Absolutely. You already have the, the we attraction. Just, we just grab two kids that's walking by and say, hey, you want to play You want to play VR? Absolutely. And we turn it on. Um, it, it has a demo mode, but there's just something different about turning that thing on, feeling that win, hearing the response, people seeing the uh, the play it's really fun so it's done it's been well it's done well for us. Now you talked about building in this you know smaller environment and right. you you obviously were an attorney. Yep. You had some business background so you built out this business plan and like most of us you you create like a a good better best type of a scenario or what's the worst case kind of a scenario so you understand the the debt you potentially are going to be taking on. How did you go through that process and how did that play out as you opened up? So when I opened up, I didn't know I didn't know that 360 existed or some of these other uh, educational venues that you can go to. I didn't know that, that this existed. I also didn't know that all those people in the back 
existed. I had no idea that there's people out there that I could call on to say, okay, help me project revenue. Help me project uh, expenses. And if you're going to go with a franchise, there's someone there that's going to help you do that. Uh, I didn't have that. So I had to do it from scratch. Now, expense-wise, we were pretty good. I could figure out what the power bill was. I could figure out what the internet was going to cost us. I, I, I even go back now and look at my expense uh, projections that I had back then. And we were right dead on, except for employees. Uh, I missed employees by a mile. I did not realize it was going to take as many employees to start up as it actually did. Uh, revenue was even harder uh, because there's no way you can tell how many people is going to come into your facility, you know, how many is going to be there on a Tuesday night versus a Saturday night. And so what I did is I, I basically did three columns. I did a column of break-even, okay? So I need 50 people on a Tuesday night and 50 people on a Wednesday night, and what, whatever those projections would be to end up covering all those expenses that I had calculated. And then I did what I, consult, I, I, I called my conservative column. And that was, okay, this is kind of what I think we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to be real happy if we hit these numbers. And then I did my bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases loaded, projections that, you know, th this is really what I would be extremely happy if we did that. The Trent Coggins the, World Series. Absolutely. We had 150% of the, those of the World Series of the numbers? World Series numbers, oh, and we awesome. were already doing that by February of 2020. Which, again, if you look at our building where we're at, we're up on top of a hill. It, uh, it's a very popular area of uh, uh, well, a very popular area. A, a lot of traffic in our community goes right through there. It's called Five Points. You can't help but see how many cars are in my parking lot. I knew I knew there were a lot of people looking at me, so that's why I started with the additional Building phases. Absolutely. Yeah. So so besides revenue, which is obviously one of the, the markers that all of us in business use to, to, to look at success, how do you define success in what you're doing? I, you know, I, I take a lot of gratification in seeing people be happy in my store. Uh, I worked in an industry for 20 years in which nobody was happy. <laughs> I mean, seriously, um, I, did a, <laughs> I, I did a little bit of real estate law, uh, and, and that was about as close to a happy practice of law as there was. Um, the, the personal gratification that I get, I come home now and talk to my kids, uh, whereas it's shameful to say for 20 years, I, I, I went home and crawled up in a ball and kicked the dog, uh, you know, after a bad day. Um, so the personal gratification I get out of this business is one thing. But seeing those kids, I'm the most popular man in town with 10-year-olds. <laughs> um, you know, that you can take that the wrong way, but, um, you know. We'll, we'll make it, sure that that video yeah, goes out with proper so, context. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> write, write a subscript underneath there. You know, as a practicing attorney in a small town, everybody knew who I was. So I would go to a restaurant and be recognized uh, by the parents. Now, you know, I'm, um, I stopped practicing three years ago. I'm more recognized by the kids. 
And the funny thing is, I don't, I'm not in that building day to day, but they know who I am. And that is really re rewarding. Uh, when we were talking about what business we're really in, I'm in the smile generation business. And so if I can generate a smile with a young kid and make their day, I get all the satisfaction I need out of that. Well, and, and so talk a little bit about how creating this venue has also affected your community, right? You're in a small community. How do you stand out and, and what has that done to your community as a whole? Well, number one, we've given the community something to do. Uh, clean, safe, and fun. Uh, an activity that everybody can come to. A yes, there's a lot of people looking to see if they could copy what we've done. But more than that, I get the parent that comes up to me and thanks me for bringing something like to this to our town. Because they were just like me. They had to drive a significant amount of distance in order to find something like us. Um, so that has been really neat. As far as community-wise, uh, I built a uh, recoil in an old Big Lots building. Our, our facility is actually owned by the city of Valdosta. Valdosta bought the building uh, probably 20 years ago uh, to build a performing arts center and community center, library, those types of things. The citizens voted it down three times. And so the, the, the city just said, well, we'll just sit here with this 20 acres of land and not do anything with it. Big Lots wasn't going to do anything with a building. The city wasn't going to do anything with a building, and it just dilapidated. Uh, it became a homeless area. I wouldn't let my wife go there by herself. Um, it, it was pretty bad, right in the middle. I mean, and we're not talking about a bad part of town. It's a pretty decent part of town. I wouldn't let my wife go there. Uh, I worked out a deal with the city uh, when Big Lots finally got tired of their antics and said, uh, look, y'all give me a sweetheart deal on rent, but I'll take care of this building. I'll bring this building back up. So we've actually turned the building into something pretty spectacular. Uh, the other thing that we did is when we decided to do laser tag, we, we did our laser tag with a nod to, to the community. Okay, what do you mean by that? Um, well, um, so when I first started uh, talking with Nick about what kind of theming we wanted in our laser tag, um, he asked me, what's Valdosta known for? And uh, ironically, Valdosta has the winningest high school football team in the nation. Valdosta High School and Michigan, uh, University of Michigan, are the only teams in the nation to have, what, over 900 wins or something along those lines. Don't quote me on the, but anyway, Valdosta does. And he's like, well, we can't do a laser tag on football. What else? We have Moody Air Force Base. And Moody Air Force Base is the home of the A-10 uh, Warthog. Ooh, the Warthog. Yeah, and, absolutely. And uh, so the, the sound of freedom. And so I, you know, we had talked about some military options and those types of things. And I said, you know, I don't, I've seen the, the what, the F-16? Mm -hmm. I've seen the tanks and those types of, that's not us. Uh, so I asked Creative Works, can you do a one-of-a-kind A-10? And they said, absolutely. So we have a one-of-a-kind replica A-10 hanging in our, um, hanging in our uh, laser tag facility. It shoots at you. It may, if y'all have ever seen the A-10, there's a distinct engine noise. There is a distinct gun noise. When you've heard it, you'll remember it for the rest of your life. We actually have that in our facility. One third of our uh, uh, customers are military. 
And so when they go in and see the gun, when the little, the little kid goes in and sees the, the, the A-10 that dad flies on, or really that dad or mom works on, right. uh, they take a lot of pride in that. And I, did not, I, did, I knew that that was going to be special for the community. I did not realize what a connection that was going to do, have that for, uh, for the community. And we've gotten a lot of... A lot of publicity. Talk about free publicity. We got a lot of free publicity from the base itself promoting us. Hey, look what a member of our community has done as a nod to us. And we have the entire theming is we're saving the base. So we're calling on all able-bodied people to come help save the base. Our base is under attack. We don't say moody. But um, it, it was really neat to do that. Um, and it's a great way to tie that all. Absolutely, in. and we took it up a notch uh, by doing something like that. Uh, I'm glad. One of the suggestions that I got at this event was to go see some other laser tag places that had really taken that added step of, hey, let's do a little bit more than some glow in the dark paint and some burn barrels and some pallets. Let's take it up a notch. So I went to see Andretti's in Atlanta, and then I went to see uh, Thrills in uh, Destin, Florida, both projects that Creative Works had done. And, I, and so at the same time, we're talking about the A-10, and that's when I said, you know, we really need to do this. Um, and it, it has a drawing factor in and of itself. Right. Uh, I think people like to play laser tag by itself, but now that you have that type of... Oh, another thing is we don't... Not only do we have the, uh, the A-10, uh, uh, Moody Air Force Base is also known for the pararescue jumpers, the bad dudes that jump out of the helicopter to go get a downed uh, uh, trooper, throw them over their shoulder and take them back in. We have an H-860, which is the helicopter that they ride, which was also, I believe, the f- uh, first or only time Creative Works has done that in our facility as well. No, that's really awesome. Now, you recently expanded your venue again, yep. right? And added uh, Arcade that you originally yep. were probably against, right? I was dead set against it. And so tell us a little bit about adding Arcade, why you were against it, why you decided to add it, and what it's done for you. So again, story coming back to sitting in this room. <laughs> the theme, it seemed to me, of the week that we were here is you are not your customer. And I heard that over and over and over. And all of the people that I had talked to in this room, uh, I talked with Jeff. I remember this conversation. I met him at that, uh, at, during that week. And he's like, you don't have arcade? Are you crazy? I don't like an arcade. Why don't you like an arcade? Because I'm the father of four boys. I am going to get in a knockdown drag out with one of the four. Not sure which one it's going to be on the you way. You never know on uh, the day. You off. never know. It's you a different know. one every day. You know, I can walk in and say, here is your budget. I'm not giving you one dime more. And then you have the fight. Uh, but coming to events like this really convinced me that I needed to start to look at the numbers. So talking again to some of the people in the room, um, it really convinced me that I needed to add um, arcade and quickly. Good choice or bad choice? Absolutely great choice. Okay. Absolutely great choice. Um, we started out uh, in January of this year. It's got our business up about 30% uh, from an already pretty substantial um, uh, business 
Uh, I did not expect it to be as good as it was. Uh, again, my, num my projections were low, um, especially on the revenue side. It was pretty easy to hit the expense side on those types of things, but absolutely was a good move for us. Uh, I also thought that we would get a little pushback from our community. Um, I, I, I was kind of thinking the same thing, that the parents don't really like the arcade. They love it. Um, the parents are playing it too. So every step that we've, that we've done, we've tried to kind of expand the age group that's coming to see us. We never really thought of recoil as a date night, Friday night place. But now with an arcade, it's starting to become that. Um, so it's really, it's really kind of cool. Uh, and, and how many pieces did you end up adding? Uh, I think we're 80. So, uh, so pretty, not, a, not a small no, arcade. You added no, a pretty we're, significant. We're a pretty significant arcade. Okay. Um, and so, and continuing uh, to add, uh, you know, looking at, you know, what, what, what can we use? I, I bought an arcade that had actually gone out of business. So some of the, some of the games not as popular as we want them to be. So we're starting to pull those out, maybe add some other games in their place. So you've mentioned a couple of times, and we're going to end up opening up for some questions here in a few moments. You mentioned a couple of times about talking with other operators, yeah. getting feedback, going to events like this, as well as others. What advice would you give to the crowd about being at an event like this, or what should they look to try and take away? Network, network, network. Um, we can all learn something from each other in this room, whether you've been um, in business for 20 years or you're just now starting to open. Um, and the one thing I love about this community is that we don't see each other as competitors. I mean, so Jeff and I hadn't talked to each other in three and a half years, but within five minutes, we're talking about what's working in his business, what's working in mine, and learning from each other. Um, I should have gotten his information years ago and us stayed in contact within those three and a half years. I guarantee you I'll do it today. And for, the, for the, those of you in the room, learn the other people in the room because they're the ones that you're going to rely on when you decide to open an arcade. Hey, does this game work? You know, what are you seeing? What are you not seeing? Um, I think a lot of people you're going to find will, will help you. The other thing is go to, go to any education that you can get your hands on. 360 is awesome. Uh, it, it's the primo, but there are others out There's there that you can go yep. to. Uh, I, am, I have plane ticket and, and am willing to travel. Um, I like to go uh, learn as much as I possibly can. I go visit other sites. We, uh, before we opened, we, we uh, saw 14 trampoline parks uh, in, south, in the southeast before we opened. Go out, get out there uh, because some of the things that you think might work might not. And I had a built-in focus group of four boys. That helps. That helps. That helps. And that's something that I definitely recommend uh, <laughs> you know, anybody do is, is even if you're already open, still continue yeah. to educate yourself, yeah. still continue to go see other venues. Um, because there's always something new coming along True. and you can get fresh eyes and a different perspective when you can see how somebody else has done it Absolutely. Um, from that standpoint. So what excites you most about, let's say the coming years, what, what's got you going right now as we talk about that growth? I told myself, all right, so I may be addicted to growth and that's really easy to do. Still got 12,000 square feet more to go grow into. 
Uh, there's some challenges with that, not only with the fact of how I ended up building the building. Had I do it, had it to do all over again, I would have flipped everything, but hindsight's 2020. There's some other challenges with the city of Valdosta being my landlord, uh, those types of things. Um, I told myself I was done growing for a while after Arcade. I'm, I'm nine months in. I'm starting to feel the itch. The itch, the itch is coming uh, back. <laughs> I'm starting to feel the itch. I've had a couple of conversations uh, with other people about, hey, what's working for you? What do you think I should be looking for? Um, I don't know. Um, I can. I've got the room to grow. I've got the room to grow. The question is, do do I do I want to do it? The other thing is, I haven't found. I thought at some point in time with with four phases now. I would have found a point of diminishing returns where adding more attractions and more things would not necessarily increase the bottom line or especially the top line. I uh, haven't found that yet. Um, I'm always worried about that in a smaller market, but we haven't found it yet. Maybe it, I won't. Well, it's a good option to keep growing if Absol- you haven't found that yet. Absolutely. For sure. uh, so we have time for just a couple quick questions. Anybody have any questions for Trent? Uh, his story, uh, something that you're looking to do or, or anything that he might be able to answer for you. You got over here. Gonna have to hustle. Um, I didn't see any food or beverage, uh, displayed in any of the imagery. Do you have food and beverage on location? Say that again. Do you have any food and beverage? I don't have food and beverage, uh, much to Dave Wallace's chagrin. <laughs> Um, with the 12,000 square feet, he's hell bent on, I'm sorry, can I, I don't know if I can say you're that. Okay. You're okay. He's hell bent on me putting in food and beverage. I haven't done it to this point. Um, I keep saying I know nothing about the food and beverage industry. His response to me is you knew nothing about the trampoline park industry either. Um, you, you've been pretty good at figuring things I, out so yeah, far. I just, uh, yeah. So that is a potential that we could go into with the 12,000 square feet. Uh, also maybe an older barcade type situation. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, I have tried to shy away from food and beverage. I any, have any particular reason why I, I don't know anything about the food and beverage industry. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I allow my customers to bring their own food and beverage in. Uh, I know the numbers. I'm just stubborn. Yeah. So Dave's working on me. All of those other, there's more people over there that have told me I'm crazy too for not having food and beverage, not just Dave. So, any others? Would you have done this project if you had to build a new facility? (sighs) Probably, yes. I I don't know if I would have done it as quickly or as easily if I had to build a new facility. I'll answer the question by saying this. I'm looking for location number two. As all of you in this room know, the hardest part of this industry is finding the location, right? 25,000 square foot building that has air conditioning and plenty of parking and 20 foot ceilings. They don't make those every day. Um, I've pretty much decided if I go to location number two in another city, that it would probably have to be a building that I would have to build. The other thing about me is I hate banks. Y'all, I lived through 2008 right? Bankers are not your friends. I'm sorry. Um, I, I shy away from as much debt as I possibly can. Um, so what does that mean? That means I have to build a pretty significant nest egg in order to do something like that. But 
Well, uh, in the essence of time, I want to go ahead and thank Trent for sharing everything. He's going to be here all week. Yeah.